Well, again, Happy New Year. And it is great to see you on this New Year's Day. And of course, on any New Year's, there are New Year's resolutions, which you've already heard mentioned a number of times here this morning. We all tend to make New Year's resolutions when it comes to New Year's. How many of you made New Year's resolutions? Or maybe you're still thinking through your New Year resolutions. Um, I like to make New Year's resolutions, and uh, I think it's something that people often do. Sometimes when it comes to New Year's resolutions, some people might focus on getting in the gym more regularly. I've heard from a number of people that, you know, with COVID and the lockdown and everything, you, you got out of the gym. And so I've talked to a few people who one of the resolutions you have for the new year is to get back into the gym. I've talked to a number of other people who, again, because of the lockdown and everything, they've been out of the church for a little bit. And so one of their new year's resolutions is to get back in the church and get back in person and in worship. Perhaps one of the New Year's resolutions you have is to be a little more efficient with your time, a little time management. Perhaps even right now there are some people watching this sermon in the gym. They're really killing two birds with one stone. Um, It's a great use of time. But uh, anyway, you can go online and find the most common New Year's resolutions. And uh, typically people around New Year's, the resolutions revolve around, you know, getting in better shape. Or maybe they have some financial goals, or maybe they want to do some home renovation, home projects this year. But my goal here for the next few minutes is to convince you to do a little heart renovation. Or more precisely, to ask God to do a little heart renovation in you this year. And the good news is that God is in the heart renovation business. God is in the business of heart transformation, of heart renovation, which is exactly what we're going to talk about here on this New Year's Day. I want to invite you to open your Bibles up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to follow a very simple outline. Really, we're going to look at two things. Number one, what we are not. And number two, what we are now. Number one, what we are not. And number two, what we are now here in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 and 17. And as you're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm actually going to back up just a little bit and establish the context. And so actually we're going to begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just to kind of get a running start on what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this letter to the church in Corinth. And so actually uh, back up to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, To establish the context of what Paul's talking about here, let me first read for you, starting in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. I'm sure some of you might say amen to that. You feel that outer man, that body of flesh that we all have decaying day by day, year by year. You think, man, this is another year. This is just another year. I'm a little bit older. And perhaps this morning you're you're feeling the effects of that. Maybe you had a long night last night. You woke up. You actually came to church this morning or tuned in online. and, And that late night is feeling, you're feeling the effects of that a little bit more than you have in years past. But Paul tells us here in 2 Corinthians 4 that our outer man is decaying, 
But the good news is that our inner man is being renewed day by day. And then notice what he says in verses 17 and 18. He says, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comprehension, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, here in this portion of the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul is really encouraging his audience. He's encouraging the believers there in Corinth to uh, get a fresh perspective on life, to view their life through the lens of Jesus' redemption on their behalf, and that all of their life, even suffering, even the light affliction they might be experiencing, is really to be reinterpreted in light of the gospel. That even if they face challenges in this life, God is doing something in them and through them to transform them. And I want you to flip ahead now to chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, still kind of establishing the context on what the Apostle Paul is saying here. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10, he says, Therefore we also have as our ambition, here's our goal, whether at home or absent, notice, to be pleasing to him. This is the goal of life for the Apostle Paul, to be pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Paul here again, he's laying out this motivation that he wants the believers there in Corinth to have. He wants them to view their life and everything that happens to them through the lens of the gospel, through the redemption that they have in Jesus. And he's now here in these verses in chapter 5 also having them look forward to that day that when they will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, when they will give an account to the Lord Jesus for all that they have done. This, by the way, is exactly the vision that we have here at Grace. It's our vision for you, for everybody who attends Grace, that when you stand before the Lord Jesus, and you all will, we all will, but that when we stand before the Lord Jesus, I want you to hear him say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to live your life in such a way now that when you stand before him then, You'll hear those words, well done. This is what Paul wanted for the church in Corinth. And it's what we want for you here at Grace. And it's really with that background then in mind that we come to the two main verses I want us to look at together this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Let me read these for you. Paul says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. 
Once again, the Apostle Paul, in writing to the church in Corinth, he's wanting to, them to see things. He's wanting them to see their life through a new lens, through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of the redemption that they have in Jesus, through the lens of all that the death and resurrection of Jesus means for them. And Paul, using that word therefore here in verse 16, he's really drawing on everything he's already said highlighting all of what Jesus has done, the redemption that they have in him. Therefore, Paul says, we recognize no one according to the flesh. See, for the apostle Paul, as he set out to do the work of the ministry that the Lord had entrusted to him, he didn't do that ministry by worldly standards. He didn't evaluate people, he says here, according to the flesh. In other words, Paul, when sharing the gospel, he didn't consider a person's status or ethnicity or wealth or talent or appearances. But the Apostle Paul recognizes that the gospel is for all. And because of the gospel, because of all that Jesus has done, Paul says here in chapter 5, verse 16, we recognize no one according to the flesh, according to the externals. But let's be honest, that's, that's the way the world works, right? The world recognizes people according to the flesh, according to externals. The world evaluates people based on their talent, based on their appearance, based on their status, based on their wealth, based on their ethnicity or whatever. I know that 2,000 years have passed, about 2,000 years have passed since Paul wrote this letter. But one of the things I want you to see here is that even though we've passed a long amount of time and culture since the Apostle Paul first wrote this letter, there's not a lot that's changed about the human heart. The, the sinful heart within all of us, we tend to evaluate people based on worldly things. But what the Apostle Paul is saying here, he says, we no longer evaluate people according to the flesh. This means that once a person is converted, once a person becomes a Christian, we give up those superficial criteria for evaluating people, including evaluating ourselves. So I think one of the things we all struggle with, we either are very harsh in our evaluation of other people, or some of us are very harsh in our evaluation of ourselves. We either evaluate other people according to the flesh, according to worldly values and standards, or we sometimes evaluate ourselves according to worldly values and standards. We try to find our identity in worldly factors. And because of that, the result is we tend to compare ourselves to other people we tend to tear other people down so that we might feel better about ourselves. And this is the way that the fallen world works. But the Apostle Paul says here, don't, don't evaluate people that way. Because the truth is, to kind of put it in our context here in North Dallas, you're not defined by those things either. Your identity is not in your bank account or in the car you drive, the neighborhood you live in, the school your kids attend. That's not who you are. Instead, who are you now? 
Look at verse 17. If we're not going to evaluate other people, if we're not going to evaluate ourselves according to worldly standards, then notice what Paul says positively in verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So if you are not, if your identity is not in that old way of life, the worldly standards in which we tend to evaluate ourselves and other people, if that's not your identity, then what is your identity? Let's break down verse 17 just kind of bit by bit. Notice first Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. And that phrase, in Christ, is the first thing I want you to take note of here. This is your position. Because of all that Jesus has done, In his death and resurrection, when you put your faith in him, your position, your identity is now in Christ. And that little phrase, in Christ, carries with it tremendous implications. That phrase, in Christ, really speaks of your security in him. It speaks of your acceptance in him. It speaks of your assurance in him. And it speaks of the inheritance you will receive in him. In many ways, this little phrase, in Christ, is the gospel in a nutshell. That you, or when a person puts their faith in Jesus, positionally they are now in Christ. And when God looks on that person, they no longer see the things of their past. They no lo- God no longer sees the sin of their past, but he now sees the very righteousness of Jesus himself. Because positionally, you are in Christ. That's where you are. That's your identity. And listen, I want to pause right here for those of you in this room and those watching online. If you've never really considered the good news of what that little phrase means, in Christ. That at the moment of faith, That at the moment a person puts their trust in Jesus for their salvation, God puts them positionally in Christ, their sins are taken away. They're forgiven, they're redeemed, they're reconciled with the holy God. And I could go on and on. But if you've never put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, I'd invite you right where you are to trust in him. And notice what Paul says. He says, if anyone is in Christ, verse 17, notice he is a new creature. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. You could translate this as a new creation. The Apostle Paul is highlighting a a change, a transformation that takes place, a renovation of the heart that happens at the moment of our salvation. That at the moment of our salvation, God begins a process of renovating our heart, of renovating our life. That you are not the person you once were. You're no longer defined by the things of your past. But God begins this work of renovation inside of you. God is in the renovation business. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. And then notice he says, the old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. 
The old things have passed away. And behold, new things have come. In other words, the old worldly ways of evaluating ourselves, of evaluating other people, they've passed away. And in their place come new things. This new way of understanding and viewing life and viewing ourselves in light of the risen Christ and of his gospel. Now the truth is, we need to understand that our sin nature still remains, right? We're still going to struggle with sin so long as we're living here. So long as we're on this side of heaven, we're still going to struggle with that sin nature within, within us. But God is doing a work of renovation inside of us. And this old life to slavery and sin is gone. And a new life of new attitudes and actions has come. Out with the old and in with the new. To summarize what the Apostle Paul is saying here, again, when a person becomes a Christian, when they put their faith in Jesus, these old things of the past, old conditions, old habits, old relationships should no longer exist, and instead other things take their place. God is in the heart renovation business. One person I was reading as I put together this passage, he put it very simply. He said, anyone who is in Christ is under new management. <laughs> I'm sure you've maybe gone to restaurants or gone to stores and you've seen that sign in the window, under new management. This is a way of saying, hey, things are going to be different around here. There are improvements to come. And when you became a Christian... You could say God put a sign on your life that says under new management. There's a new man in charge and improvements are going to come. There's a new you in process, in other words. You know, this past week, um, our family spent some time together uh, just here in DFW. I took off some time from work. And one of the things that we did throughout this past week is we did some uh, home projects. We did some things around the house that we've honestly been putting off for a number of years. We did some purging. We got rid of some unnecessary things, and I feel bad for my kids uh, because they've learned that when mom or dad start to purge things, that that's generally a bad sign for them, right? Um, uh, we knew that, you know, they got some new Christmas presents, and so we kind of have a rule. Anytime we bring in new Christmas presents, some of the old stuff has to go, uh, you've got to make room for the new by getting rid of some of the old. And so we did a little bit of that this week. We also did it just personally. I went through my closet and I got rid of some old clothes. Um, I went through some paper files and I got rid of a lot of old documents and receipts that are way old and I don't need to hang, out, uh, hang on to anymore. And so we really spent a lot of time this week just kind of cleaning out our life, out with the old and uh, in with the new. And maybe that's a... New Year's resolution that you have for yourself this year is to maybe go through and do a little purging. But one of the things the Apostle Paul tells us here is that God does the same thing in our heart, that he does the same thing in our life. He, he purges us of the things of our past, the sin of our past, our old habits and the old way of life. And he does so to make room for something new. 
And this really is what this passage here in 2 Corinthians is about. So for application, here's what I'm asking you to do. As you think about 2023 and the new year ahead, the application I have from you here from first, or 2 Corinthians 5 is maybe you find an area where you want God to do a little purging, a little cleaning in your heart, in your life. My one thing for you is to encourage you to find a specific area in your life where you want to ask God to work on renovating your heart, of cleansing you and purging you of your life of the past. Think about that for a minute. Is there an area in your life that you feel like even right now God is pressing on your heart where he needs to do a little work of renovation, a little work of purging and cleansing and renovation in your heart and in your life? To give you a really specific way of doing this, uh, I want to share with you something our family has done for a number of years. Uh, At the beginning of the year, we tend to pick a word of the year for our family or for each individual in our family. We pick a word of the year either for our family as a whole or a word of the year for each individual within our family, and we pray throughout the year that God would build that word into our life. Uh, Throughout the year, we pray for each member of our family that God would do his work of renovation, of restoration, of cleansing, of purging, of sanctification in our hearts, in our lives for each and every member of the Cloud family. Uh, We sometimes also attach a Bible verse to it. And so for this year, for 2023, actually yesterday we finalized this. I'll share with you our words just to give you a few ideas. But my word for this year is dwell. Dwell. I really want to ask God to help me to dwell more and more in my intimacy with him to spend more quality time with my Savior. I want to dwell with him more in 2023 than I did in 2022. Uh, My wife, Hannah, picked the word joy. She's asking that the Lord would produce within her, grow within her an increasing amount of joy in her life. My daughter, Chloe, picked the word patience. Clara picked the word kindness. Judah picked the word love. We wanted him to pick self-control, but he picked love. (laughs) And Abigail's word is peace. Peace. And so that's what I'm asking you to do. As you think about 2023, as you pray about what perhaps God might have in store for you, I'd encourage you to pick a word. Maybe it's one word for your entire family. Maybe it's a word for each individual in your family. And by the way, this is something that you can keep to yourself or it's something that you can share and you can ask other people perhaps in your family, in your small group, in your adult Bible class to pray along with you. And I'll make a deal for you. If you send me an email or if on that tear off on your bulletin, or if you just write it down, if you give me your name and the word that you choose, I I promise I'll pray for you throughout 2023. Uh, I'll pray that God would grow that quality within your life, within your heart, that he would do that work of renovation, that work of transformation to make you into the new creation uh, 
that he has made you to be. And so just jot that word down again, maybe send me an email and it would be my delight to be praying for you this year. Now listen, I look forward to growing with you in 2023. I look forward to seeing what God does in and through this church in 2023. I look forward to seeing what God does in and through you in 2023. And so would you please bow your heads with me and let's ask God's blessing on us in this coming year. Let's pray. Father, as we do begin this new year, we want to dedicate our lives to you. And by your spirit, we ask that you would help us to glorify you, to be more like Jesus, to walk by the spirit who indwells us. And God, we ask that in this year, that you who began this good work within us, that you would bring it to completion. God, I ask that you would bless the people here at Grace Bible. I pray that you would comfort the brokenhearted. I pray that you would bring healing to the sick. I pray you would encourage those who are struggling. And God, I also pray for those who are going to be blessed with a joyous and prosperous year, that they would remember that all they have ultimately is a blessing from your hands. Father, we find comfort in knowing that you're in charge, that you know everything that's going to happen this year. God, we find comfort in our salvation, the redemption that we have in Jesus, that we can view our life, that we can view others through uh, the redemption that we have in Jesus. And God, we find comfort through the ministry of your spirit. God, we do ask your tremendous blessing on our church. We ask for your blessing on our people. And we ask that by your spirit, you would help us to live for you so that we might hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. God, I ask this for myself, for all these here, for those watching online, and I ask it in Jesus' name, amen.